But you know, some people live their lives trying to be somebody that they're not meant to be. And they spend all the years trying to do something, but they feel underneath a frustration because they don't know who they are. What about men? You know, it's, it's amazing what men often do. Because this is typical of a lot of men. They come up and say, Hi, I'm Chris. So what is it that you do? Isn't that true? Because for men, their identity is caught up in what they do. But if they lose their job or whatever they do, suddenly their world falls apart. What about women? Often for women, it's, they build relationships. They build relationships with other people and, and also the friends that's important for them. Or they're a mother. And they want to be the best mother out. But what happens when relationships end? What happens when a child goes astray? Often the mother feels worthless because the identity is caught up in that. A couple of years ago, I was working with some 10 to 12-year-olds um, and going over a lot of Christian basic things with them. And I got this little mirror out and I showed them this mirror and I passed it round and I said, have a look at this. This is... In what's in here is something really, really special. But when they looked at it and they saw themselves, what was their reaction? Oh, yuck. And they passed it on. It certainly wasn't like the Fonz. Who remembers the Fonz? And Happy Days. Do you remember what he did? He had that cool leather jacket and, and the slick hair and he'd come in front of a mirror and he'd get the comb out and he'd go to comb his hair and he'd say, hey, you know, why comb something that's already perfect? But their response was not like that at all. Their response was one of, oh, yuck. Now, where did that come from? Because already the world is conditioning them to conform to what they want them to be. Unfortunately, they don't know who they are because of it. Then there's others on, who base their identity on how they look. But even the greatest models, you know, even when they look in the mirror, they see their own faults. Isn't that not true? They say things like, my nose is too big, I'm too fat, or my hair is awful, my eyes are too small. <gasps> oh no, a spot or a wrinkle. <laughs> Most of us would never see it, but they see it. <laughs> but for some of us, our identity is caught up in what we own. Boy races. Hey, what's their identity caught up in? Their amazing car or their, the prestige that it goes with. For some, it's the... It's the mansions that they own or the, um, the cars that they have or the houses that they build or the businesses that they make. You know, all these things are amazing, but if suddenly something happens and they all suddenly disappear overnight, as we've seen all over the world, suddenly you've got something standing and the next minute it's gone. Suddenly their identity is gone. They've got nothing. For some our identity is caught up in our careers or our talents or in the education, the status or the position that we hold. Is it not? We base everything around that. But what happens if that goes? Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those things at all. And God places people in certain positions, but it's not who we are. You know, we can even put our identity or tie it up. Or sometimes our identity we can tie it up in our ministry or in what we do for God. And we can do that subconsciously without even realising it. I remember years ago, um, Sandra and I were leading a, 
a group of chamber musicians and we called ourselves Karis Ministries and we were ministering at various churches and, and we had a lot of fun doing that sort of thing. And we were going to various places and it was really taking off and doing really well. And uh, then suddenly, as we were praying through all these invitations saying which ones do we accept and which ones we don't, God dropped something into our spirit. And it was, are you prepared to give it up? <gasps> because all our identity was tied up in that. It was who we are. It was our little baby. Suddenly, God stripped it away. You know, we didn't want to let go of it, but we realized in the end, God was saying we had to do something, and we let it go. I'll tell you what, even though it hurt to begin with, it was liberating as well. Because when you do what God says, you come into something far greater. Anyway, <clears throat> did you notice that all those examples were external? External, they're all external. But God focuses on the inside of who we are. I read something the other day, and uh, it blew me away really, but this is only a small portion of it. Sin is the despairing refusal to find your deepest identity in your relationship and service to God. Sin is seeking to become oneself, to get an identity apart from Him. It's seeking to establish a sense of self by making something else more central to your significance, purpose and happiness than your relationship to God. I thought, ooh, that's pretty, pretty heavy. <laughs> so if our identity is not in what we do or the relationships that we build or how we look or what we own or how well educated we are or the talents that we have or the status that we hold or even the ministries that we have, what is our true identity? Well, let's go back to when we first lost it. Let's go back to the scene of the crime. Genesis 3.5. And I'm just going to um, go through this. You see, Satan was there talking to Adam and Eve. Don't forget, Adam was there just as Eve was. And he says to them that if they ate from the tree... From the fruit of this tree, they would be what? They would be like God. So, what's the deception here? What's the deception here? The problem, or the truth, is that they were already like God. They didn't have to do any more. They were already like God. In the first place, they were already made in His likeness. They had His DNA. They were ruling and reigning over the garden and over the animals and the plants. So they're already functioning as God created them to be. They were the complete package and nothing was lacking at all. And they were enjoying life to the fullness. So how can you be more like God when you already are? But that deception has crept right down through the ages into us. And we don't know who we are. You see, a true identity is not in what we do or try to become, but in who God says we are. That's something that has to be caught in your spirit. Otherwise, they're just words. And Satan strategically planted the seeds of doubt into their minds. And he's planted seeds of doubts in our minds too. And that's why so many of us struggle, because we're not sure who we created in. 
you'll be surprised at the lack of understanding so many Christians have about who they are in God. It's incredible, but there are so many people, so many people that hold back because they don't know. They feel very insecure. They feel awkward about doing this or doing that because they don't know if they're good enough or if they'll ever be able to do what other people do. In Matthew 16, this is an incredible verse and and it seems to be the theme at the moment and you even heard uh, Clay speak about it this morning. Matthew 16, 13. And Jesus asked the question, why do men say, or who, who do men say that I am the Son of Man? Sorry, I'll say it again. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Why did Jesus ask that? Was Jesus having an identity crisis? Was he struggling to know who he was? Did he need affirmation? No. Jesus actually knew exactly who he was. And he was comfortable in that. In fact, Jesus said very clearly and declared it constantly who he was. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. He he said very, very boldly who he was. He had no trouble in that. And you see, when you know who you are, you can be bold about who you are and speak clearly and boldly without worrying what everybody else thinks. Amen? So anyway, the truth was that Jesus knew who he was and who you know, there'll be a confidence and a boldness around you. Our identity can't be separated from God. Take God out of the equation and you've already lost your identity. And some people will try and replace God, but you can't. And so some said, you know, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. You see, there's a worldly concept of who people think Jesus is. There is a worldly thing. And you will never really access what God is saying unless you open up your spirit, man. Otherwise, you'll only try and access Revelation of who God is through your flesh and it won't work. Here it is where others have said he was this or possibly that. But actually we have to open up our spirit to hear and to see and understand. The biggest clue to your identity is discovering who you are in Christ. That means you have to have a revelation of who Jesus is and by having a revelation of who Jesus is, you have a revelation of who you are. And that was the whole thing about this whole passage. Because when Jesus said that, and he said, but who do you say I am? Suddenly, the onus was on them. Suddenly they had to come up with something. And Jesus is asking the same question of you today. Who do you say I am? It's not what Greg says. It's not what Clay says. It's not what your Sunday school says or your parents say. But who do you say I am? It has to come from in here to be able to see it. But Peter suddenly has this this amazing revelation. Just in a moment of time, he comes and he sees that he's the Son of God. And he declares it boldly. And through that, Jesus says who he is. You know, when you spend time in God's presence, things start to happen and you begin to see more of who he is. And at the same time, 
you change in here to realize who you are. Somehow we use this as an excuse that it only is for certain people. Oh, it's only for Greg. It's only for the elders. It's only for those spiritual ones. And so what we do is we sit back expecting things to happen around us. But something dies on the inside because it's not being activated. God has so much more for you. Here's an important... Sorry. <clears throat> Our perception is inaccurate if we think that. It's for every single person here in this family. In fact, it's for every single person in the church throughout this nation and beyond. God wants to activate every single person and that can only happen when we have a revelation of who He is and then have a revelation of who we are in Him. Things change when that happens. It changed in me. See, I think we don't even realize how much God has for us. One of my most favorite verses is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. The eye has not seen nor the ear heard, nor have even entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. God has things for you to uncover. But you can't uncover it sitting it back and doing nothing. God wants to activate your spirit man. Listen to this. Here's an important point. True perceptions of who he is and who we are both come from God. You can't get a revelation of who he is from somebody else and a revelation of who you are from somebody else. It actually both comes from God. And the sooner we understand that, the sooner that we take that and get it into our spirits, how important each and every one of us are. And suddenly your mind is blown away. You see, I love what Phil Pringle wrote. He said, God didn't have one of you. He wanted one of you. So he made one of you. You are unique in all that God has given you. You are unique and God wants you to, as part of this family to function as a body. But your uniqueness adds something that is so vital in this body. If we all just sit back and did nothing and just left 10% or 20%, as most churches have, I think it's about 10% of people actually activated and doing things and the rest sit back and do nothing. Look at the hidden talent. Well, it's not so much talent, the giftings within the person themselves that God wants to unlock and release upon the house. Imagine what the church would be like. A hundred percent. See, the word of God reveals who we are in Christ. Second Corinthians says at 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Isn't that incredible? You know, I used to struggle with my revelation of who I was. I thought I was hopeless. I thought I was a downer outer. I thought I was just, I don't know, I just didn't seem to fit so much. You see, when I grew up, I came from a family of musicians and artists. I mean, that's who we were. But that's, it didn't fit into the school mould. They were already for sport and doing this and that. But I loved music and I wanted to do music and that was, that was part of me. So I never really fitted so much. I mean, I got on with friends and things like that. 
But my perception of who I was was very low. And I struggled with it. But isn't that verse incredible? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, all things have become new. You know the old caterpillar and the butterfly? Isn't that incredible? How the caterpillar, the whole caterpillar has to die in order for the butterfly to come out. Any part of that caterpillar that stays alive will kill the butterfly. And so in here we have to die to self. We have to die to the old things because God has got something new and fresh for us. People, we have to own the own the revelation of who we are. If we don't own it, Satan will take it away from us. If we don't own what God says about us, Satan will fill our heads with all sorts of other junk that will confuse us. Now, after I came into a revelation of who Christ said who I was, I don't care about what other people think anymore because I know who I am. And I'm pleased and I praise God for that. It changed my whole mentality. You know, I did all those years of struggle as a Christian It's really been over the last, I suppose, 10 years, 7, 10 years that God's changed me completely because I had a revelation of who I was in Christ. You know, it's God's revelation of his word that shapes and changes who we are. And I'll tell you this, there are so many sleeping giants in this church waiting to be revealed. Don't keep sleeping. Begin to awaken. So why is revelation so important? Because it is what God builds his church on. Did you realize that? Now it's just not any old revelation. It's the revelation of who he is and who we are that he builds his church on. Isn't that powerful? That was a statement by Phil Pringle. And the revelation changes our perspective on everything. It changed Peter's perception. It changed everybody's perception. Now I want to encourage you. Maybe you're struggling a little bit about who you think you are. But God is actually walking you on a process and a journey. So don't panic. Don't hold back. But actually enter into that journey because God will help you with your identity. The truth is that Satan will try and rob us of our true identity. But you know the truth. You you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Revelation also builds up faith in you. Because when when you begin to read God's word and you begin to see God's word in front of you, you begin to see like a mirror. Sandra was sharing me with this me with the other day. It talks about in James how you stand before a mirror. You remember the man that stands before the mirror? And then he goes away and he forgets who he is. It's like often we think about it's our sins that we see. But in actual fact, it's a reflection of what God's word says about you. Have you ever seen it that way before? It's a reflection of who God truly sees you as. But when you walk away from God's word, then what happens? You lose your identity. But what happens when we live a life when we don't have that revelation of who we are in God? Well, I want to show you very quickly a story of a young man 
that lost his identity. But it's an incredible, I don't know, this story really saddens me. Because in some ways, it should have been the most incredible story, and almost was, but something was lost at the end of it. Who can pronounce his name? Any, anyone here? <laughs> I just pronounced it as Mashiboshet, and I've probably done it wrong, but anyway, <laughs> it's a difficult word. <laughs> he was a young man. I don't know whether you know the story about this young man. I, I, just for the sake of time, I won't read it out. But this young man was Saul's grandson. He was of royalty. He was in line to the throne, if you like. But he'd had an accident when he was, I think, about five years old and he became lame in both his feet. And he ended up being cast out into the desert, if you like, in Lodabar. He had no future, no rights, nothing at all. He could not even come before the king. Because if he did, any person with a defect would have been killed. That was just the way that they had it in those days. So this man was an outcast. His life was worth nothing. In fact, you know what his name means? The speller of shame and bitterness. And Lodabar means barren, pastoralist. Can you imagine that? He's a nothing and a no, nowhere, going nowhere fast. And yet David is saying, well, who can I show kindness to in the house of Jonathan? And they told him about this young man. And she said, go after him and bring him in. And so they go and bring this guy in and he comes trembling before the king. And the king restores him, washes him up, cleans him up, gives him his, a position he gives him all the inheritance back that was lost. He gives him all sorts of things there and, and helps him to even eat at the king's table. You know, it's the story of salvation, if you like. What an incredible story. When we were lame and crippled in sin and we couldn't come to the Father, but the Father came for us and brought us into his presence, cleaned us up, washed us clean and gave us a position of being seated in heavenly places and having everything at our fingertips. Meshibosheth had everything. Wow, look at that. What could this man do? What could this man create? Who could he influence? What could he build because of the transformation that, should, that took place in his heart and life? It's a great story. But it doesn't end there. And you know, it's like the salvation story. We think we can get, just get saved and that's it. But it's only the beginning of what God has for you. Because God wants to shape you and mold you into his image. And so when you get born again or born into the kingdom of God, that's the very first step. I mean, you can stay there. But God doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to journey with Him into what He has for you. He, you have, there's a, a huge inheritance for you to take hold of in the Word of God. Or are you going to sit back and do nothing? Consequently, this young man, as he sat back and did nothing, without even realizing it, almost lost all his inheritance. He got some of it back. But isn't that sad? It's because he sat there and he did nothing. Why 
what happened? We'll have a look very quickly at a few things. Verse 9 it says, He answered. Um, uh, sorry, chapter 9, verse 6. It says that he answered. He said, Here is your servant. And also verse 8 it says, He bowed down and he said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? What language? What language? My goodness. You see, when you don't have a true revelation of who you are, deep down on the inside, you'll have a slave mentality. You'll be enslaved to the things around you. You'll be enslaved to how you think about yourself. You'll be enslaved in all those different things. And it comes out in the confession that you have. And yet you're a son, are you not, in the kingdom? A son and a daughter? God says you are, uh, in Galatians 4, 7, so you are no longer a slave but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Romans eight seventeen says, Now if we are children, we are heirs, and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now those verses will mean absolutely nothing to you unless you receive it as a revelation from God. Actually, I am a co-heir with Christ. Why then am I thinking of myself as a slave or a servant? You know, servants or slaves, they look down, they can't even look up. They're not meant to look you in the eye. There has to be a, a change of mentality. Man, did I have a slave mentality over myself. And you know, I look back over my life and I think I missed out on so much because I had that mentality. God had to break it off me. The second clue that we also have is, because it says in verse 13, because he ate always at the king's table and was crippled in both feet. You see, he had a lame mentality. One that said, I can't do that, or I couldn't possibly. Oh, I don't know. Don't you know, I'll always be like this. Haven't you heard those before? I've had those very same words spoken out of my mouth. This is exactly the sort of mentality I used to have and it robbed me of so much. You see, a lack of revelation of who we are will often come out of our language or our confession of who we think we are. And so out of the innermost being of our hearts will flow who we think we are. You can't even hide it because it's in your language. Things change. I had to change my confession I had to change it. I had to take the word of God. I had to say, God, what do you say about me? And even when situations and circumstances were screaming at me, saying that I was a failure and a nobody, I picked up God's word and said, actually, God's word says. And I began to pray that over me. Over and over and over again. Sometimes it was months and months. Who was I going to believe? God's word or what Satan or the world said. Who are you going to believe? And boy, as you begin to pray about it, even if you don't feel like praying those things, you press on through. And as you do that, suddenly you have a revelation of what that verse really means and how it transforms and changes you. Man, what a difference it made to my life. Dr. Noel Woodroff says this. This is an amazing thing. He says, The lame represents all the things that prevent us from walking strongly in the purposes of God. 
The blind represents all the factors that destroy our discernment, perception and revelation of the intent and desires of God for our day. The combination of both blind and lame produced a church locked in the iron grip of religion and programmed activity that can never access the Zion positions of accuracy in the purposes of God and the explosion of his will on the planet. Boy, that's, that's a big mouthful. <laughs> but isn't it true? Isn't it true? A lame mentality or a blind mentality will only lock us into things. But God has given us a freedom that we need to experience. You see, a lack of revelation of who we are can create within us a victim mentality. Oh, yes. That begins to demand help from other people or even blame those for the state that we're in. Oh, it's not my fault. Don't you know? It was this person or that person or this situation. I think we've all done that, to, to be honest, haven't we? I know I have. When we get tied up into that little self-pity thing, we often blame other people instead of taking responsibility for our own actions. And God wants to change us. A lack of revelation of who we are can also immobilize and infix, uh, make us inflexible because your sight is limited. When your sight is limited, you can't see. Meshibosheth had become set in his ways and his thinking. And how do we know that? Well, he never built anything. He never influenced anything. You know, in a redeemed state, when God, you know, when you're on a journey with God, things happen around you. But nothing happened with him. His sight was limited by what he saw in the past of who he was. He was lame in both feet. A lack of revelation of who we are can cause us to rely constantly on others for affirmation. Now, this is a big one. This is a big one. You know, I constantly relied on other people to build me up. And if I didn't get it, my life was destroyed. And so what we end up doing is walking this very thin tightrope, trying to please this one and that one over here, and looking for confirmation here or confirmation there, or affirmation, I should say. And when you don't get it, what happens? And so many people build their identity around what other people say of them. But what other people think of you is irrelevant. It's what God thinks of you that matters. A lack of revelation of who we are can cause us to become oblivious to what is happening around us. Because if you sit back and do absolutely nothing, things can be happening in the spiritual realm which you will never pick up in, your, in, you know, in the flesh. Because it's a spirit-to-spirit -spirit transaction. Can you see what God is doing? Can you pick up in your spirit what God is doing around you? Or are you sitting back and things are just going on around you? That's exactly what Meshibosheth did. He sat back and things just happened around him. And slowly his inheritance was being eroded away, away by an enemy he didn't even know he had. It was supposed to be somebody that was looking after his, his own interests. But this guy wasn't looking after Meshibosheth's interests at all. He was ripping him off. And you know, Satan wants to rip you off. And if you sit back and do nothing, he's going to rip you off. And you won't even know it. You'll go to the bank and you'll find that you're bankrupt. 
And you'll say, where's the money? What's happened to it? And it's gone. And neither could I. You know, when I was so focused on myself, I didn't see or perceive what was going on around me. See, the problem is self. We look for self-worth. We look for self-esteem. But it's actually God-esteem that we should be looking for. It's God-worth, not self. That's the problem, self, right there. And very near to the end. A lack of revelation of who we are can cause us to live a life by default rather than by design. You know, God has a purpose and a plan for you. But if you sit back and do nothing, things will happen around you and you'll miss out what God has for you. And God has something very special for each and every one of you to be part of and to catch hold of it. You've got to seek God with all your heart, with everything within you. Otherwise, you'll miss it. It took me a long time before I actually realized that too. It took me a while to come into this revelation for myself and it changed my whole prayer life. You know, coming in and lifting up this Word of God, the most powerful book in the world, changed my life. The revelation of who I was is in these pages. It's the revelation of who God is that changed my life. I'm still in a big process, by the way, because that big, it's a big book. It takes a long time to get through, right? There's so much to learn, and I'm only on a journey. But we're all on a process together, amen? Don't miss that out. Don't miss that out. Awaken your spirit, man. Don't sit back and do nothing. Say, God, I want to press on through. I want to do something. I don't want to live my life by just defaulting. I want you. Lastly, a lack of understanding of who we are can cause us to fall back to what we were, particularly in times when the pressures come on. Isn't that true? Because if nothing's happened on the inside here, what happens is that when something happens, we default back to what we were before, what we're comfortable with. And sometimes a realm of self-pity or whatever we go through is more comfortable than actually breaking through a barrier. Because sometimes it takes hard work to press on through with this word when you don't feel like it when everything's down or you feel tired, whatever. I had to possess and own what God said about me. And I wonder tonight, what will you do? Will you take ownership? Will you take and possess what God has for you? Because Satan is coming and he will try and cheat you out of what your true kingdom worth is. So how do we receive a revelation of who he is and then who we are? I want to thank Clay for standing in for that picture for me. <laughs> is there a formula? Is there a magic thing that I can just, you know, show you? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, it takes a heart that says, God, I want you. There's nothing complicated about it. And spending time with God, and it's not about doing. It's about being. Being who you are. 
Man, I want to encourage each of you. Who are you? Who really are you? Who does God say about you? Amen.